Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks so much for taking time to join us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. USDA released their monthly crop production and supply and demand report on Friday morning, and it had some interesting numbers in the cotton production estimates. They cut into cotton acreage, but we saw a big jump in cotton yield. We'll check in with Texas A&M cotton marketing specialist John Robinson to get his take on that report to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Harvest is only just now getting underway in the Texas High Plains, but the early returns suggest another big year for silage production. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The Rio Grande Valley citrus harvest is delayed due to last winter's freeze, but producers remain optimistic. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. This time of year in Texas is ideal for planting woody landscape plants. Please join me, John Begnos. We talk about replacing coal-damaged plants with new ones. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. USDA released its September crop production and supply and demand report Friday morning, showing a drop in cotton acreage, but a big increase in cotton yields. Harvested acreage was dropped 4% from last month to 9.92 million acres. But Texas A&M cotton marketing specialist John Robinson says the acreage wasn't the big surprise. But even though the acreage was less, they raised the average yield for the country. They raised it 95 pounds. And that was basically driven by an increase in Texas yields month over month, an increase of over 100 pounds per acre, which for a monthly adjustment is incredible. It's really large. I mean, they're really going out on a limb making an adjustment like that. The average cotton yield was raised to 895 pounds per acre. Texas cattlemen have an extension to sign up for pasture and rangeland crop insurance. Jessica Domel has the story. Texas farmers and ranchers now have more time to make coverage decisions and complete reporting activities for the pasture, rangeland, and forage pilot insurance program and the apiculture pilot insurance program. Richard Florney, acting administrator for the Risk Management Agency, said the RMA extended the deadline to December 1st to offer more flexibility to farmers and ranchers. Both PRF and API are rainfall index crop insurance policies that are designed to help farmers and ranchers in the event of a lack of precipitation that affects available forage for livestock and honeybees. 
The plans consider a decline in rainfall by comparing it to the historical average precipitation for the same area at the same time of year. Additional details are available on the RMA USDA website. Again, the new deadline is December 1st. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel. Most of Texas has gotten a good amount of rainfall this year, and that has brought on the flies. Absolutely. When we get uh, moisture above and beyond what we normally get, that can make things more challenging from a fly control standpoint. And uh, what I see is a lot of folks out in the country might have been expecting with the extreme cold spell we had early in the year that we might not have had as big of an issue. But when I'm out and about, I see more flies on cattle this year than I have in a long time. So in my opinion, fly control is something critically important uh, to have you know healthy, high-performing cattle. And there's some things we can do from a nutritional standpoint to help with that. That's Clay Burson of Lubbock. He's a cattle consultant for Purina Animal Nutrition. He says fly control products like Purina's wind and rain mineral with altacid can be very effective in controlling flies this year. Harvest is getting underway on the Texas High Plains and James Hunt tells us it looks like it's going to be a big year for silage production. With harvest now getting underway in the Texas High Plains, one of the first things to come out of the fields is corn silage. And even though it's early on, Russell French of Pioneer Hybrid is confident this will be another year where silage production will rise in our region. Absolutely. The silage market is a strong market for our growers and our livestock industry here is well established here in, in the Texas Panhandle and South Plains and the, especially with the dairies. And so with the higher price of commodities, I know a lot of our dairy customers visiting with their nutritionist are planning on feeding a higher silage diet, hoping they would have to buy less grain this year. You know, that's a strategy I see playing out. So yes, silage is continuing to grow and we expect it to grow quite a bit over the next 10 years here in the Texas Panhandle. For farmers, having that big demand from the livestock industry certainly makes taking the silage option attractive. Farmers have also enjoyed the fact that a silage crop generally requires less water to produce than a grain crop. However, French says that may be changing, as livestock nutritionists are starting to want to get more starch from silage. So the traditional half milk line, cutting it at 68% moisture, that was kind of the old school of thought. Now we got a lot of people pushing that milk line on the kernel to three quarters milk line, and the moisture's getting down in, you know, in the lower 60s on silage dry matter, you know, getting 35% or, or better, because that just increases the quality and the energy in the silage. And when we do that, we might have to water just a hair longer than we used to do, but it's still probably a little bit less than going out for full grain. A lot of ins and outs to master with silage, I'm sure, but it's good to see one of the newer markets for our farmers continuing to grow. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We will probably see a later-than-normal citrus harvest this year in the Rio Grande Valley. Tom Nicoletti has the story. Late September is the usual startup time for citrus producers to begin their harvest in the southernmost region of Texas. But this year, plans in the Rio Grande Valley are to push back the harvest to November through January. The reason? Mainly the February freeze from winter storm Uri and then the always unpredictable summer weather. Dale Murden is president of Texas Citrus Mutual. There's never not been a, a, a devastating event where the industry didn't come back stronger. Now, that might not mean bigger in acreage, but sometimes the economic footprint actually ends up being larger. We do different techniques, planting techniques, variety techniques, or variety types and differences. Like, for instance, after the 89 freeze, we took advantage of that 
and came back with that dark red grapefruit that everybody loves now. You know, we'll come back. It'll Obviously, the industry is going to look a little different. Consolidation's happening a lot more in industry. Uh, you know, fewer players, but, but larger players, I guess you might say. And, and so there's a difference there. But, uh, no, I think the Texas commercial Texas industry is here to stay, uh, albeit maybe a little bit different. But uh, we usually take advantage of, of a of a downfall and, and try to turn it into a positive. I was out digging around in one of the groves the other day, and when you see those clusters of fruit coming back and looking good, that just always gives you optimism, the nice green trees greening up. That is Texas Citrus Mutual President Dale Murden, who remains optimistic for the Rio Grande Valley crop despite a 70% drop in production and higher expenses to rehabilitate the region's citrus groves. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. This is a good time of year to do some planting in your landscape. Horticulturalist John Begno has some advice from San Angelo. Well, we're approaching a very good planting season in Texas with cooler night temperatures, even cooler day temperatures, sometimes a little moisture. And so we've been evaluating those plants in our landscape that have suffered because of the deep freeze last February. And you may still see some dead wood and you can remove that if your plant has survived and thrived and is recovering. But if it's not, then it's a candidate for removal. That means that you'll have to go in and cut it out or dig it up if you want to or move over with a better plant to plant. But we're going to give up on some of this stuff. I know gardeners hate to give up, but sometimes that's a prudent decision because those plants will never recover. If they didn't make it after this fairly mild summer in Texas, they're probably going to be in it for the long haul and not be very attractive. The good news is that the nursery industry has recovered. The wholesalers have upped their inventories. They've now got plants that are of suitable size and different cultivars and selections to choose from. So we have a great inventory to come in there and say, all right, I want to go back with the same plant or I don't like that because it doesn't fit there anymore and it may not survive the winter again. And we're going to try some new ones. So do a little research, talk to your nurseryman, but also drive around and see what plants are performing really good for you. Most of Texas has about a couple of months before we're going to get our first average freeze, which is good. That doesn't mean we sometimes get surprised by a deep freeze at Halloween or whatever, but that's not normal. So planting woodies, which include trees, so if you have trees that are not performing good, you can go ahead and move over and plant some new ones, and woody shrubs, those that are not just your annuals and your perennials, herbaceous, but those that have wood, now is a great time to get those in the ground. So think about it. It's replanting time or new planting time if it's a new landscape in Texas. And so it's an ideal time. This is John Bagner reporting from San Angelo. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission will hold a special meeting on chronic wasting disease this week. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have the details coming up on Texas Ag today. And more cases of anthrax are popping up here in Texas this year. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. We are seeing more cases of anthrax popping up here in Texas. Dr. Bob Judd says this one was in Armstrong County. This is the third case of anthrax in Texas this year, and it has occurred in Armstrong County in the past. Last September, a confirmation was received about a bull that died of anthrax in the same county. However, most of the Texas cases are in far southwest Texas in Crockett, Valverde, Sutton, Edwards, Kinney, and Maverick counties. Since the disease occurred in Armstrong County, the Texas Animal Health Commission recommends livestock producers and equine owners vaccinate their stock in the area for anthrax. The anthrax vaccine is very effective but must be used before the animal is exposed to the bacteria, and the label must be followed to prevent exposure to humans. The bacteria involved is Bacillus anthracis, which is a naturally occurring organism in certain parts of Texas. It is common to see cases of anthrax after periods of wet, cool weather, followed by hot, dry conditions. Animals can ingest the bacteria when they consume contaminated grass and hay or inhale the spores. Infected animals usually develop symptoms in three to seven days after exposure, and once symptoms develop, death will usually occur in 48 hours. Symptoms include acute fever followed by rapid death with bleeding from body openings. So if you see any carcasses with these characteristics, do not open the carcass, but call your veterinarian. Opening the carcass will allow the disease to spread and potentially infect the person examining the carcass. Deer can also become infected, and there is no vaccine approved for deer. So be careful opening up deer carcasses that are bleeding from body openings. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Chronic wasting disease is prompting a special meeting this week. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission will host a special meeting this week on proposed chronic wasting disease-related rules. The meeting will begin at 9 a.m. Wednesday at the TPWD headquarters in Austin. The commission will hear testimony from staff from the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department and the Texas Animal Health Commission. CWD experts and stakeholder groups will also speak on the rules that are designed to prevent the spread of CWD in Texas. CWD is a fatal neurological disease that affects white-tailed deer, mule deer, elk, moose, and other members of the deer family. Susceptible animals may have the disease for years without showing any outward symptoms, all the while spreading the disease to other susceptible animals and leaving prions in the environment. Currently, there is no evidence that CWD poses a risk to humans or animals that are not in the deer family. This year, deer at at least five Texas breeding facilities and holding facilities have tested positive for CWD. A free-ranging deer in the Lubbock area has also tested positive. At the meeting Wednesday, TPWD staff will provide a briefing on the proposed rules that are intended to replace emergency CWD rules. Staff will also seek guidance from the Commission on publishing rules for public comment 
and potential adoption at a commission meeting in November. The meeting begins at 9 a.m. Wednesday. It will be live-streamed online. A link is available on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. Following the special meeting Wednesday, the next Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission meeting is set for November 4th. That will also be at the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department headquarters in Austin on Smith School Road. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Definitely a negative tone in the markets to kick off the week on Monday. Cattle, cotton, and corn all moving in the red. We'll take a closer look at all of Monday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Trains are everywhere. You should always expect one, even on private property. Only cross tracks at designated crossings that fit your equipment. If you don't fit, don't commit. Whenever you're operating, secure your load, raise your equipment, and avoid getting stuck or causing damage. Minimize distractions. Remember, noisy equipment drowns out the sound of a train. Unless you're crossing, always keep a safe distance from train tracks. Look. Listen. Live. For more info, go to OLI.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Another packing plant fire put big pressure on cattle futures on Monday. The Grand Island, Nebraska JBS plant caught on fire Sunday night. Firefighters fought that fire throughout the evening well into Monday morning and shut the plant down for Monday's shifts. So the cattle market responded with triple-digit losses in both live and feeder cattle. October live cattle dropped $1.15, $122.27. The December down $1.07, $127.15. February down $1.60 at $130.42. September feeder cattle down 205 152.20 october feeders down 227 15545 november feeder cattle down a dollar 97 at 15715 cash fed cattle market quiet on a monday looks like the show list a bit smaller here in texas and up in kansas somewhat larger this week in nebraska and colorado box beef prices lower monday with choice down 98 cents 32624 Select down a dollar sixteen at two ninety two twenty one. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Here comes that livestock market operator report from that little country ball of fire, Madison Bexley Lockhart Livestock. Maddie, how did the Thursday sale go for y'all? Good morning, Larry. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really well. Let's walk the pins. Today we had 1530 with 193 cows and 28 bulls, 207 sellers and 83 buyers. On the stocker cows, the market uh, was pretty good. We had a lot of players yesterday. The front end of the pairs would have brought from 12 to 16.75. The mediocre and middle aged from 850 to 11.50. The bre- good bred cows from 9.50 to 15 and a quarter. Mediocre middle aged and short breads from six and a quarter to nine and a quarter. The longhorn and the planer end of the cows from 350 to 600. Packer cows and bulls would have been one to three higher on a real active market yesterday. Uh, the good high yielding cows from 70 to 83 and a half. The medium yielding from 58 to 69. Low yielding and lightweight cows from 30 to 57. 
good high yield in Packer bulls from 90 to 99. The low, medium yield and lightweight bulls from 65 to 89. Yes, in your little yesterday, we ended up having a really good day. Uh, we had three or four new order buying companies that were represented it, and the market was real active. Most classes would have been steady to two to three higher. All in all, it was a great day. Are you aware of anything for next week? Yes, sir. Hopefully we can get some business drummed up between now and then. I'd be willing to bet that you do. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Maddie. Yeah, Larry, you can always check us out on Facebook. Or you can call the barn at 512-398-3476. My cell phone at 979-540-9793. Or you can ring Bubba at 512-461-6091. Maddie, thank you so much. But neighbor, thank you more for listening to Walking the Pens, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm your host, Larry Marble, and I hope to see you tomorrow. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs dropped lower on Monday. October hogs down a dollar sixty-seven, eighty seventy-seven. December down two seventy-two to close at seventy-three thirty-seven. Class three milk was slightly higher. September milk up three, sixteen sixty-two a hundredweight. October milk up five at seventeen thirty-nine a hundred. Both corn and cotton finishing lower. Word is that three of the 12 export facilities on the lower Mississippi River are now back open. However, we have Tropical Storm Nicholas moving in, expected to dump heavy rain on southern Louisiana. And, of course, that makes it even more difficult to get these export facilities back open. And that's affecting both corn and cotton. We close with October cotton down 82 points, 94.41. December cotton down 69 at 90. 281. September corn down six, 496 and three quarters. December corn down four and a quarter, 513 and a quarter. The wheat market was mixed. Hard wheat finishing higher. September Kansas City wheat up two, 678 and a quarter. The new crop July was up two and three quarters, 691 and a half. Soft wheat finishing mixed. September Chicago wheat down a half, 674 and a half. July, new crop wheat up a half at 690 and a quarter. Rough rice finished higher September up six at 1332 a hundredweight. November soybeans down one and three quarters, 1284 and three quarters. September soybean meal up 270, 344.70 a ton. In the energy markets, natural gas continues to climb. October up 26 cents at 520. October crude oil up 73 at 70.45 a barrel. The financial markets were mixed Monday. The Dow up 191 points, 34,798. The Nasdaq down 32 at 15,083. The S&P up 1 point, 4,459. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time right here on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.